Are you frustrated with your government contracting journey? Do you feel like there's something missing in your business, but you just can't put your finger on it? Are you finding enough opportunities? Are you struggling to win the few opportunities you do find? Do you have a plan of attack or a strategy? Would you like someone to review your current approach? Maybe it's time to consider getting a coach. Our team of coaches have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. We've figured out how to help companies accelerate in the market. If you want to find out if coaching is for you, go to federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today and fill out a coaching application. I will personally respond to your application and schedule a time for us to talk about your business. There's no cost for this session and there's no obligation to join a coaching program. What I can guarantee you out of this session is that I will review your top challenges and give you detailed advice. If coaching makes sense for you, I'll walk through your options. Visit federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today to get started. Now let's get into this episode of Game Changers. Welcome to Game Changers for government contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. And today I have a special guest, Miss Anna Ehrman here from the State Department is going to be talking to us about RFIs and sources sought. So before we jump into the topic today, Anna, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Anna Ehrman, I am a small business analyst with the U.S. Department of State. I work for an office called OSDEBU, Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization. I've been here at the agency for three years now, but prior to that, I was with industry. And in particular, I am a market research nerd, if you will. I love data, and I love how data informs our decisions in government contracting. And hopefully that's uh, something that I'll be able to share with you in the podcast today. Yeah, I, I love it. It yeah, I'm one of those people too that I love the data and how much it actually informs all of the decisions and things that we do, not not just in government, but just in general in business. And so I really like being a data nerd, geek, whatever you want to call it, and getting people more excited about the data and stuff. And so today, as part of our discussion, you, you had actually recently done a webinar about RFIs and sources sought, and I saw it, I missed it, and I was like, hey, could you come on and maybe give us some of the main talking points from the webinar on the podcast here today. So you were kind enough to make a slot today to do that. So I thought we, we'd kick it off with what's the difference between an RFI and a sources SOC? So in a nutshell, the RFI request for information, it's about the product service or solution. It's when a government is trying to understand what should they buy or how should they um, how th- should they solve a particular challenge? A source is sought is about the vendor. The question that the government is trying to answer is who should they buy it from? Or from the small business perspective is if and how that particular requirement could be set aside. And in your mind, what do you feel is like the the point of responding to these for anybody that's looking at them. So the point really is to give the government a really good idea and clear direction of how they should pursue with that, uh, with meeting that requirement or with that procurement. And, you know, if, if I were in industry, I would want my response to indicate clearly that surely my solution and or my company and or my set aside um, category is the way to go. 
unambiguously. When I look at these from our perspective, we always talk about influencing the final RFP and uh, we use a term called ghosting and things like that. Do you see a lot of that from your perspective where somebody is responding to these and they are helping influence the outcome of, not the outcome, but influencing the final RFP that's going to come out by their response? Uh, Sure. It may not always be obvious and it may not always be immediate. Uh, Sometimes when industry is following up on their market research responses and I ask the contracting officers, you know, have you reached a decision? Do you know what you're going to buy or how are you going to pursue it? Sometimes they're baffled uh, because the expectation on the government side is we had some questions. We want to understand the market. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to come out with Mm. Uh, an RFP immediately. And do you see, uh, I'm trying to think of the right question here, but do you happen to see uh, in the responses things that are maybe surprises to the government about the way the industry would approach uh, a project or something like that? Surely there are. The the way that companies approach it, it could be an innovative solution that uh, that the government wasn't expecting or perhaps something you know, caught commercial off the shelf. It may be the number number of um, staff or FTEs or level of effort that the government and was completely off with what their expectation mm-hmm. was. Do you see uh, on these just again through your experiences uh, over the years when people are responding to these? I know we we've coached folks to say, hey, you know, you don't necessarily have to respond to everything. You can add to this because this isn't an RFP. It's not a formal process where you have to respond to everything or you're judged non-compliant that sort of thing. There isn't any money involved in this. So when you're looking at it, do you judge the responses that way or, or or how would you feel on your end if you saw things that were maybe they didn't respond to everything or they added things to it what what are your thoughts on that so we don't know what we don't know for example if i am sitting in a dark room and i want the room to be not so dark anymore and i put out market research and company a proposes to you know to, to send me a bunch of candles and company b proposes to put uh, you know uh, put electricity in the room so the expectation is that the requirement that comes out as a result will have either the candles or electricity if i never heard from a construction company that uh, would propose a solution to put a hole in the wall to you know let the sun in then i don't know that that could even be a solution mm. So the the danger of not responding is that you may be left out of the eventual RFP altogether. I like that perspective there because I I do think if you don't know the solution is available, how could the RFP include it? Like there's just, there's no way to do that. So because this is pre-acquisition and not acquisition mode, do you feel like the industry is more encouraged to engage with government in this phase or or, or what's your take on that? Uh, Yeah. So until the RFP comes out, there's no prohibition on um, having discussions or having conversations or meeting between government and industry. So yes, on a whole, it's an open market and the government is looking to learn. Um, I don't think there's one blanket answer for how all of government approaches the results of market research. And sometimes they have very specific questions and they want answers to those and they will make their determination based on that. And sometimes it is opening a door and possibly to an industry day or possibly to some capability demonstrations or other education 
distribution and marketing opportunities. What would your response be to someone in industry who's looking at this and says, you know, I've, I've followed a few of these. We responded early on to some. They didn't necessarily turn it in, into any money. Um, so why should I bother responding to this one? That That's a good question. So, and I understand that companies invest resources, dollars, people, time in order to respond. And it is, it can be frustrating if it doesn't turn out in anything. Think of your contribution as a source of thought or as an RFI response to helping the government make a determination that could ultimately benefit you. And it could be, you know, the the ideal, right? You're hoping that you have that purple unicorn solution and you get a call from a contracting officer and says, you're it, we're doing this all source mm-hmm. because nobody else could do something similar. But the results could be if, for example, the government uh, gets responses that say a certain certification or a certain industry qualification is necessary, that could narrow the market. Or it could be set aside for a socioeconomic category that could include you or a particular vehicle vehicle that you're on or not on, all of those things could be incremental steps to helping the government make a determination that could either benefit you or could cause some challenges in in your pursuit of that particular customer. And part of your response is ultimately a little bit of marketing. You want your eventual target customer to know your name, to recognize your logo, to know who you are, so that later on you could start a, a discussion with them. The actual RF sources sought or market research response could be opening that door to a phone call and email a conversation as a follow-up with that customer to perhaps uh, ask for the ability to have a meeting to explain further how you could solve their challenge. Yeah, no, that that's a great point there. And I think a lot of people feel like Hey, if I'm not chasing money, what's the point? And they they make the leap from I don't know you to you should be buying from me instead of you don't know me. So how can you get to know me? How can I get to know you? How can I learn about the organization? Then maybe we can talk about eventually you buying from me. And so there's just too many people make that leap from hi, buy from me and instead of actually going through this process. So that, that's one of the things I, I love about the process. Um, you know, so I know you did a webinar on this and you covered a whole lot of ground. We've covered a few of the basics so far. What am I missing about RFIs and sources sought that we haven't covered so far today? Where do we even start? Um, I, I think the actual response, uh, what, what do you do when you're looking at an RFI or sources sought? Sometimes the responses could be pretty work intensive, but mm. um, I, I think we should spend a little bit time, of time talking about kind of the, the basic don't miss, what must you do as part of that communication? So one advice, one piece of advice that I, I share with small businesses is don't leave anything up to your reader imagination or guessing. Mm. Answer the mail. Don't leave anything on the table. Uh, and that could be with respect to your solutions. That could be with respect to the uh, experiences or past performance that you have, but also even with your teaming or joint venture relationships. How does that, if you are discussing it, how does that play to your ability to not only perform the technical requirements, but also manage and support the work and alleviate that risk. Um, Address things like your financial capability. If the customer requires it, mention clearances so that you make the case to your customer that is easy and logical to pick you or at least to not exclude you and your 
socioeconomic class or a category from um, from the eventual RFP. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And I, I do find that a lot of people, when I start to read their responses to things, they initially will, will say something and I'll say, well, what does this mean? And they'll give me a response back. Well, somebody in the industry should know what it means. <laughs> like, but you didn't say what you what this mean. You didn't explain it to me. So I have to assume that because you made this one statement that this is what you you mean by that. And I like how you put that of actually explaining it and not leaving anything, you know, for interpretation or anything like that from them. Uh, that's a pet peeve. Uh, what uh, contracting officers and program officers don't want is you regurgitating back to them what they've said in their question. They want mm. you to explain how you're going to solve that, uh, give examples, respond to the question, not just reiterate the question and say yes or no. Yeah, yeah, because I gotta imagine, I always tell clients, the bottom expectation is that you can perform the task. That's, that's the baseline bottom expectation. How are you going to do it? And if you can explain to me how you're going to do it, I can see through your explanation that you actually know what you're talking about, not just, yes, we're going to do this. So mm-hmm. no, that, that's, that's a really good one. Exactly. Are, there, are, there, are there some other ones that, that we need to talk about too? Uh, so what do you do after, right? Um, how do you follow up? Yeah. How do you make the most use of the dollars and the time that you spent uh, writing that response? So... A following up. Don't call the day after. Give the readers a couple of weeks to make sense of all of the responses, to put them in perspective, to think about them, uh, or to start thinking through a solution. Uh, but following up in a couple of weeks, politely persistent is the word, uh, is the <laughs> phrase I like to use. So you don't quite want to stalk them, but you want to definitely convey your interest and your capability and your focus on that particular customer, because that's ultimately what they want, is that you will help them meet their mission. You understand them, you love them, you want to work with them. Um, also using your resources, like your industry partners. If you are teaming with a vendor that is also known to the customer, it's okay to for both partners to reach out to the customer. Uh, if you are a small business, let the Office of Small Business Programs, if you're DOD or OSDEBU, if you're civilian, let them know that you have the expertise and the interest and you responded to the source of SOT or RFI and you want to be considered. Moreover, you want to flag to them that there's at least one capable, responsive and responsible vendor, perhaps there are others, so that they know to pay attention to ensure that if it can be set aside, it should be set aside. And talk to talk to industry, watch for industry days or ask for industry days if you have that opportunity. And then use that as groundwork based on that response, based on understanding the agency's mission to look for other similar opportunities, because you may be able to repurpose some of that knowledge that you gained in doing that homework and doing that response for some other targeted opportunities within that customer or similarly situated customers. Hmm. Yeah, you, you said several things there that, that we could talk about, but one in particular that jumped out at me was how talking to the Boo to let them know, or the small business office, let them know that there's at least one company that can do the work and wants to do it. Because I have actually seen clients of ours get frustrated to say, hey, I saw this come out. We didn't respond and then it went away. And then when I called the customer, they said, well, no one responded and we didn't see you know any interest in industry. And I'm like, well, yeah. So no one responded and everybody lost the opportunity to chase this. And so that that's one of the things that I think is really important. If, if there's a why should we follow up, maybe you're the only company that follows up and 
then you're the company that makes this thing go to RFP because now the government knows, hey, somebody's interested, somebody can do this. It's in the realm of possibilities and financially what we want, we, we had in mind, and now we can pursue this. And so without that, maybe the government thinks, hey, nobody's interested, or maybe we had a, you know, a concept here that didn't make any sense, or what, for whatever reason, they just decide to table it, and now you've lost out on the opportunity. And so I, I think that's a really important point that, that you brought up there. So it's all been good stuff. Is there anything as we kind of wrap up today that you would say as your final thoughts, uh, you know, a couple of things on your mind? Yes, uh, a couple of things on my mind. Actually, to follow up on you just said, the reverse of that, uh, right? If just one company responds or nobody responds, that substantiates the case that we cannot set it aside. On the other hand, if you are the only vendor responding, and let's say you are a women-owned small business, and the requirement is under four and a half million dollars, that could help substantiate a JNA justification and approval for a sole source. And if the small business office is aware, and you're aware, and you uh, understand the regulations, you could help the agency meet its small business goals, buy from you in, you know, in a non not competitive environment, which uh, could sound like a very good idea. Yeah, that's awesome idea. Um, so for last uh, parting thoughts, I would say, I hate to end on a negative, but I will say this, use your advocate. If you believe as an industry, as a class, as a company, that the market research should have indicated something to the government that is not how the final RFP is coming out, talk to the small business office, talk to the agency competition advocate, um, especially if there are things like, and I'm, I'm using the technical terms, unduly restrictive, or you believe is unfair competition. There are things that you can do that the advocates could do. It doesn't rise to the level and expense in adversarial position of a protest, mm. but certainly being your own advocate and your industry's advocate and a, you know, a small business advocate on your own behalf um, could all be useful as well. Yeah, no, that, that was it. Yeah, that, that, that's great. And you know what? I, I don't necessarily see it as a negative. That That's really good insight for people because we just had something similar happen to a, a client of ours and and we just said, hey, look, I, I know they're asking for these amount of you know past performance examples, but yet you're the actual prime on the current contract and they shouldn't be asking for this. And long story short, I'm trying to be vague here, but the long story short, they went back during the RFP process, talked to the customer and the customer revised it. And so, you know, it, it's not always the final RFP is not always the final RFP, if you will, if you go and actually approach the customer. And I think, and just have a conversation about, hey, I don't think this is reasonable what you're asking and why. You know, a lot of times I do see the government, you know, being very reasonable. I think there was like three or four things in the RFP that they came back and changed because they were like, oh, we didn't really think about this, that, and the other thing. And now it, it was better for everybody involved. So, no, good good advice there. So thanks for coming on and talking about all this. I'm sure we could talk for hours about uh, these processes and, and things like that. But, uh, but thanks for coming on today and talking about it. And anytime you have a topic you want to talk about, please let us know and we'll have you back on again. Thanks so much, Mike. I'll take you up on it. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers. Game Changers.